8.48 on the way. Stunning rise in banned ozone-destroying chemicals traced to East Asia. How the volcanic eruption in Hawaii, which in itself is producing something called lays, I guess that's some sort of lava and haze mixed together. Anyway, apparently it could help scientists predict future eruptions. So we'll look at a different element of that. And first, the Ebola outbreak in the Congo entering a dangerous new phase with the first urban case. Mark Zastro, good morning. Good morning, Alex. Um, So this dangerous new phase that was uh, reported in an urban area, we've been having a very close look at this in the last few days. Is it really in danger of spilling out of control? Well, that is certainly what World Health Organization officials are worried about. They called this latest case a game changer because it does show that the deadly virus has spread to the city of Mbendaka, which is a port on the Congo River of one and a half million people. So this is what officials had feared two weeks ago when the outbreak was confirmed. It was then sort of confined to a rural area, but it was one that was on the Congo River. So they were worried it could spread along the river to major urban centers. Of course, once it does, it becomes much more difficult to control. The worry now is that the virus could spread further down the river to Kinshasa and Brazzaville, which together make up a a metropolitan area of about 13 million people. So the confirmed death toll in this outbreak has now risen to 25, uh, which makes it already the worst since the devastating epidemic in West Africa that began in 2013. So the World Health Organization is weighing declaring an international public health emergency. However, it has not yet done so, saying that the outbreak could still be brought under control. And if it is brought under control, one of the factors could be an experimental vaccine that we've talked about before. But is there any sign of that working? Well, there is, it is certainly being administered as of yesterday. Uh, it has uh, been, be, it has begun uh, to be administered in Congo. It's the first time really that this vaccine has been used at the opening stages of an outbreak to try to contain it. So of course, we don't know yet how that will pan out. But we know this vaccine is highly effective because it was trialed in the closing stages of the West African outbreak. Of course, it was uh, too late to prevent the bulk of it, but uh, it was given to over 5,000 people and not a single one of them became infected with the virus. Uh, It is still considered experimental. It's not actually formally licensed for use, but the WHO has given it the go-ahead for so-called compassionate use when uh, it could be helpful in an emergency. And it is, uh, as we speak, now being airlifted to airlifted to Congo. Uh, Over 7,000 doses have already been sent. Uh, The government says that Merck and its partners are preparing to make 300,000 doses available. And I have to say, it's absolutely not a trivial thing at all to move this vaccine because it needs to be chilled uh, at 80 degrees Celsius below zero. And of course, in this region of the world, power uh, can be erratic. So this is a major, major undertaking. For someone who's already infected, though, a vaccine is going to be of less comfort. What about Mm. experimental treatments? Uh, There are actually three experimental treatments that authorities are considering using. Uh, These were actually also trialed during the West African outbreak, including ZMAP, uh, which seemed to be the most promising of the three because it did improve the survival rate in that trial. But there weren't enough people in that trial to make it statistically significant. So it's not clear yet that these drugs help. But uh, one of the 
sort of the upsides of being able to deploy it now would be that we would be able to conduct research to find out whether it would be helpful in future outbreaks. Well, you kind of do need to test it in the field, don't you, in an actual outbreak in order to move from the experimental stage to knowing in vivo, as it were, whether something's effective or not. That's certainly the, f- the philosophy right now, yeah. So moving on to a, a different sort of international effort, the campaign to save the ozone layer. I mean, the ozone layer, I thought, had generally been on uh, the recovery path for on some demand, time. On indeed. Uh, but it's largely um, considered to have been a big success, perhaps because of that. But last week, scientists reported a surprising rise in, in chemicals that uh, could have a negative impact. That's right. Scientists have used words like shocked and astounded uh, to describe their reaction to this study, which was published last week in Nature. It finds that emissions of the chemical CFC-11 have risen by 25% over the past five years. And that's despite the fact that, as you say, many CFCs were phased out worldwide under the 1987 Montreal Protocol. Uh, CFC stands for chlorofluorocarbons, which were often used in aerosols and refrigerators. CFC-11 was mostly used in foams, like in buildings and in furniture. And since 2007, there's basically been zero reported production of this chemical. And the levels of it, therefore, had been declining steadily until 2013, when it began to rise again, according to data from NOAA, the U.S. Oceanic and Atmospheric Agency. So the scientists uh, looked at the possibility that maybe this chemical was being emitted accidentally or inadvertently, maybe through uh, an increase in the demolition of buildings that had used these foams. But they couldn't find an explanation for the amount of the rise in levels and why it would happen so quickly. So that suggests that someone somewhere has in the last five years begun producing this chemical again in direct violation of the Montreal Protocol. And despite there being cheaper alternatives, do, do they have any idea who might be behind this? Uh, they don't. They can't really trace them. Uh, they can't trace the CFCs directly back to their source because they're just mixed up in the atmosphere. But they do think it might be coming from somewhere in East Asia because it seems to be accompanied by other chemicals that are characteristic of this region. So not a lot to go on. It will likely require airborne observations, kind of like uh, like the sort that NASA did to observe air quality here in Korea to try to pin that down further. Well, speaking of air quality, certainly not very good around the Kilauea volcano on Hawaii, which continues to uh, erupt, continues to spread, threatening homes and the lives of those who have chosen not to evacuate. Uh, And it's very unfortunate to, to find that your home is potentially in the path. It's even more tragic, though, if there are worse consequences than that. Scientists, though, still are hoping to study what's going on so they could save lives in the future. That's right. Of course, we've been seeing now for weeks this steady eruption of lava from fissures opening up in the ground, uh, consuming entire neighborhoods. But that actually was a precursor for what happened on Thursday when the Kilauea volcano blew its top in a steam explosion that sent a plume of ash over 9,000 meters into the air. Now, because this volcano and this eruption have been so well monitored, scientists say that the amount of data that they're collecting is really going to be a treasure trove. They'll be studying it for decades to come to try to predict, you know, when these steam explosions will happen. You know, luckily, in this case, uh, we don't have any reports of people being killed in this. But a similar steam explosion that occurred in Japan in 2014 uh, killed 63 people. So having more accurate predictions would certainly be very welcome. 
and I mentioned that Lay's issue before. I just looked it up. It is a combination of the words lava and haze, mm-hmm. but it's what happens when you've got 2,140 degree Fahrenheit lava hitting the ocean. So it creates boiling seawater and then hydrochloric acid, steam, and tiny glass particles. Yeah, I wouldn't nasty be, stuff to be breathing in. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be close to it. Uh, Mark Zastro, thank you very much. Good to have you here. Great to be here, Alex. And that closes our science and technology roundup.